This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. How are you doing today? We are back with a wonderful guest, John Santos. Santos, excuse me. How are you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Hey, man, I had a great conversation. Loved your story. Love where you're at. Accidental landlords, house hacking, out of state, all great stuff. But I've got to ask some questions about out of state investing. I don't do it. Never done it. And I thought I'd just ask you some silly questions. You cool with that? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. So in the first episode, you talked about your criteria, which was awesome. State capital, close to schools, crime, things like that uh, would be really great for uh, renters. I'm curious, though. The first question I ask is, did you actually get, a, get on an airplane and go see these cities? Or did you do the whole Google Maps and all of that? Did you actually get on a plane? Yeah, I actually did. Um, when we went to Indianapolis. Yeah, I, I did look at some properties, but uh, when I came back home, we put in a few offers. We ended up not getting any of those homes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, so it wasn't until uh, I want to say about a month or two later after the trip to Indianapolis uh, that we actually bought our first out of state investment. So let's talk about it. So you, so you, uh, you pick a market, you do research. You buy a plane ticket, you head out there. Uh, were, were you there a weekend or how long were you there? I was there for a weekend. Okay, so two or three days. Um, what, you probably lined up properties, probably lined up real estate agents. Did you line up property managers? I mean, how much did you kind of invest, investigate Indianapolis? Yeah, so I actually started off with a property uh, management company. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, I, I did my research, uh, interviewed several property managers, um, and just wrote down all the different uh, fees that they charge and the, the different types of services that they offer. Um, and once I got to a point where I was comfortable with one of them, I then dove deeper with them. Okay. Uh, with asking them questions on which areas do they recommend to invest, which areas to avoid. Um, and so after, um, you know, working with them uh, for several, uh, for a couple of weeks, um, I then uh, reached out to a buddy of mine who's a real estate investor here in uh, California, who then helped me find a real estate agent in Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, so my buddy works uh, for Keller Williams. He he and uh, another uh, coworker of his went and interviewed uh, some real estate agents in Indianapolis for me, which was was something I didn't ask for, uh, but was greatly appreciated. And he then found an agent for us, and she has been amazing with when it comes to deals. So awesome. One of the things I always advise out-of-state investors to think about is you got to have trusted boots on the ground. And, Absolutely. You know, you've got to have somebody tell you bad news, right? Being a property manager, stuff breaks, people disappoint you, and you need to hear the truth. Um, so, so how'd you, how'd you, you know, how'd you have those conversations? You just, did you interview any other clients of the property manager or 
how did you vet someone? Cause I'm guessing the property manager is the one that's on the hook to tell you bad news. Yeah. Yeah. So it started off with several basic questions, uh, leasing fees, uh, their monthly uh, management fee. Um, but then also I, I wanted to understand their system that they had yeah. in place. Um, what is the typical threshold should um, a maintenance call comes in? Um, what do they typically work with in, in regards to reaching out to the landlord and, and bringing this, you know, this, this maintenance call up? Um, and in the threshold itself, uh, is it set at 500? Is it set at a hundred? Uh, so some of them, they had a fixed rate, uh, some, you know, were low and some were high. Um, but you know, the thing that I really, uh, appreciated with the property manager and it, we actually tested two of them. Okay. Um, so we, we found the one that we're still with today who was managing our very first rental, uh, in Indiana. Um, but then we wanted to test the water some more. Uh, so we went with uh, our second uh, choice with uh, when it came to the uh, list of property managers that we interviewed. And we when we bought our second rental there, we had them manage that second rental. Ah, and we interesting. here to see, okay, how are things um, when, when dealing with these two property managers. And so one had a lot of bells and whistles, uh, a lot of systems in place, which was really nice. Uh, but they, they also had, they were managing a lot of rentals. Uh, I want to say it was over 300. Um, what we came to find out, it was really hard to get in touch, uh, you know, with the owner or, uh, the folks that were managing our property, uh, themselves to, to get, you know, more of the story on what was going on uh, with, with some of the maintenance calls uh, versus our initial, uh, our first property manager that was renting our first rental in Indiana uh, was smaller. We didn't feel like a number to them. And anytime I called, he nine times out of 10 would answer my call. And I could actually have a one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. conversation with the owner. Uh, and that was greatly uh, appreciated. And that, I think, helped a lot with building that trust. Oh, yeah. Uh, so after that year, um, well, technically the second year, while having a second property manager managing our second rental, we decided to move that second rental back with the first property manager that we first found and went with. And once we got our third, we knew right away that there's no more tech. We really like uh, the property manager that we have there. Um, and the third one went under his umbrella right away. That's awesome. Yeah, the, it's, it's, I, I, got, I tell people all the time, it's boots on the ground first, then the market, mm -hmm. then the deal. Uh, too, many, too many people spend time looking at the internet, finding the deal. Trust me, if you find the best deal on the planet, but you haven't evaluated the city or the team, don't even bother. Um, yeah. You can lose a lot of money in a great deal if you pick the wrong team. And you could be dealing with a lot of headaches. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then so it sounds like, so you did, you flew out for Indianapolis. I'm going to guess based on the way you answered that question, you did not fly out to Memphis. I did not. Yeah, <laughs> I was yet. right again. <laughs> yes. We have yet to vi visit Memphis. Uh, All right. So what the hell? You're putting real money down. You're buying a duplex in Memphis and you don't even get on a plane. What the hell? I know. And <laughs> 
I will say Memphis was our one-off investment. Okay. With our criteria. Um, the only thing that was really great, or I should say two things that were really great about it was the price uh, and the area. Mm. Uh, but as for being close to a capital, the state capital, um, you know, let's be honest, you know, that it doesn't have the best crime rate uh, record, you know, for Memphis, um, you know, all the other stuff that we were looking for, it didn't really meet our actual criteria. And so we like to call that one our, our one-off rental. Ah, okay. But so, so, so I got to know. So, so, how, so, so when did you close that? Sounds like it's recent. Yeah. So uh, our first out-of-state investment was 2017. Okay. That's Indiana. We in, in Indiana, yeah. we bought our second rental, which was the duplex in Memphis in oh. 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you've had it three years. All right. Yeah. Okay. So not as recent as I thought. I got that one wrong. All right. So you actually have, you know, three years of history. So how did it turn out? Oh, man, that one. So we, we bought that duplex through a website called Roofstock. Okay. Yeah. I heard a website. Uh, it was advertised through, you know, a couple of real estate podcasts. Yeah. I talk to uh, them usually on Mondays, I think. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and so with them, they actually line up a uh, property manager for you, which was yeah. nice. Beginning. Um, but, you know, what we came to learn pretty quickly was, um, you know, the way that they operated, um, the way that they did things, you know, it just, as we got into the weeds with them, we weren't quite happy, yeah. uh, with managing things. Uh, and so it led to me finding a new property manager, trying them out for a year. Yeah. And I'll be honest, uh, after that year, we weren't quite pleased with, with their services as well. And so then we went and found another property management company and we're still with them today uh we're, we're quite pleased with their services right now i'm yeah i'm, gl I'm glad we're talking about this because again Mo, i gotta tell you it's not the deal the deal can be cheap as hell but if you don't have the team and the folks on the ground they're going to make your life a living hell yes and, and that's what we were going through the, those first couple of years it's yeah. just the headaches the, the the turnovers that we were dealing with with the duplex yeah even a time where both units were vacant oh months and that was just killing it just felt like it was killing us <laughs> yeah death by a thousand cuts right i've been there yeah yeah and you know we were so glad to find our you know our current property manager they they, they have been great to work with uh we, we love their system in place um we trust them very well uh, and so it's just been um, quite the journey with that duplex. Yeah. Um, but we're definitely at a much better place with that. Yeah. I mean, I just got to ask, I hear Memphis is on fire. I mean, from appreciation, have you ever had the crazy idea of selling it, doing a 1031 exchange and buying a couple houses in Indianapolis? We have. Yeah. We actually, for a while, we actually had it on the market for a few months um the way that it was appraised so we we bought that for 139,000 okay um we had a moment of trying to sell it um i think we were listing it for 
I want to say 240,000 because that's what it, it, it appraised for at the time. Okay. Uh, actually, that's Brewstock had uh, appraised it for. We tried to resell it through Brewstock. Okay. Um, didn't get any offers. Uh, this was last year. Okay. Uh, we then refinanced it uh, last year, like we did with all of our other rentals. Yeah. Yep. And um, again, just rate in term, you know right? What? So you lowered your payment. Exactly. Okay. Uh, we lowered our payments. We lowered our interest rates. Uh, we re-extended that. I mean, it mm -hmm. wasn't, we didn't have money down, but uh, we went back uh, to a 30-year term again or rest restarted that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so we, we do have that conversation even today um, where we really enjoy investing in Indiana, the, the market that we're in. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of just something, just pulling the trigger to just say, you know what? All right, let's just re let's just put it back in the market, but let's just be a little bit more aggressive with it. Yeah. So let's, uh, uh, let's just play it out. Cause I've been doing this a long time. Let, so 240 didn't sell. Let's maybe try 229 or two, 225. I'm just making stuff up now. So what is your yeah. loan balance? Sounds like your loan balance is 110, 115 ish. It, yeah, I think it's right at 100K or just under 100K. Okay, so let's call it 100K. So you sell it at yeah. two and a quarter, you do a 1031 exchange, you pay five or 6%, cut some closing costs, bingo, bango. You probably walk away, you probably walk away with 105,000 bucks, maybe 110. That sits in the little escrow account at an intermediary. What could you do with 110 grand in Indianapolis? Like, could you buy three oh houses? My God. I could at least buy two. Yeah, with 20%, I could definitely buy two. Um, All right, then let's, so let's play this out. I, I love playing devil's advocate. So let's say it's two. What would those cash flow again? Because you already have three, so you have the model. We talking 400 bucks, 300 bucks? I don't know. So if we can duplicate the rental we bought in January of this year, that property is cash flowing for us uh, 700 bucks a month. Jesus got a, behind me. Yeah. Wow. I know we, we really uh, did well with that one. Um, All right. Well, what's the duplex cash flow in Memphis on a good month? It sounds like it's not always a good, a good month. month. Just under 600. Okay, dude. What's, what's the problem here? You can sell an asset that's making 600. That sounds like it's a problem, a headache, and a one-off. Then you can move that into an intermediary tax-free because you have a gain. Congratulations. And yeah. you could go buy two houses that even conservatively make 600 each. Hmm. And then you consolidate and have less headaches. No. What's the problem, brother? I know. What are we waiting for? What are you doing? <laughs> I know. You know, right now, if anything would hold us back, it would be this move right now. I think once we settle at our new primary, I honestly could see us bringing this back to the table and saying, you know what, let's reconsider this. I know we've tried it before. We weren't successful, but yeah, you were, you were too high. I mean, that's what the market told you, right? When, when properties don't sell or when properties don't get offers, you're, you're just too high. It's just where it is. Yeah. Too high. And then maybe even try a different platform. Um, yeah. not, not roof stock. Uh, we, we really like the services they offered. Um, but we think that maybe their platform is, is smaller compared to, I guess, working with a local agent and oh, I, I guarantee you roof stock serves a need. They serve a need of busy mm -hmm. W2 employees who have cash and very little time. That's, that's who are their buyers are. 
if I owned an asset, yeah. I would put it on the local MLS with local buyers because mm -hmm. there's 10 times as many people uh, out there, right? You just got to, that's why turnkey providers, the reason Roofstock exists is because turnkey providers are working on building duplexes or houses, renting them up, and they want to get top dollar. And what do they do? They come to Roofstock because they got a bunch of California buyers and buyers with more cash than time. It works. But yeah, dude, if I'm yeah. going to sell something, it ain't going there. I'm going to put it on the local market. More eyes, more eyeballs, more views. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to try. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, by the way, you get to be shopping in Indianapolis with a property manager who you love and give them door number four and door number five. And your cash flow goes up. I mean, I don't even understand what the problem is. This is like hurting my head. You know, right? Waiting for it. What are you doing? <laughs> You're living life to slow you down. I know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I've got to bring that back to the table with my wife and, and we really got to, because uh, again, I'm just doing the math. Did you go from 4,000 to 4,500 just with a tax, just yeah. with a tax deferred exchange, you, you kick out six exactly. and you get 12, right? You get to 4,500 and yeah. you, re, and you remove a headache. I mean, how many, pro, like when you look at a full year, what percent of your headaches is Memphis? 70? Oh my gosh. 80? I have to say 70, 80%. Yeah. Dude, what the hell? I know. Take out the thorn, you know, <laughs> call up a local agent, get that property listed tomorrow. Yeah. You know, listed it something less than 240. Let them tell you what it is. Probably it's going to probably be two and a quarter or something. And you know, sell the crazy it. thing too is so Roostock gave us their appraisal um, last or early last year and it praised for 240 based on their books. Um, but when we refinance, um, it appraised at 270, even oh, higher. Jesus. It really well, surprised me. But well, yeah, I go mean, go get a look. Yeah. Get off roof stock, go to a local agent. And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, shoot, if you get 250, I mean, I mean, these oh, numbers get crazy. Happy. You literally could sell one headache and buy you could buy three if the numbers work out. I mean, come on, brother. Yeah. Why are we? What yeah. are you doing? You got to sign your name like seven times. What who cares? This it's not that hard. Yeah, honestly, I, my, me and my wife, we've got to talk about this again because we've, we've tried it once. Uh, we have this conversation, I want to say once every two to three months <laughs> yeah. to, to sell this. So um, it's probably going to be a matter of time where we, we really do it again and, and put it out in the market and eventually go through that process, sell it, and then go look for two, three more in yeah. Indiana. The market. We absolutely love it. And and like you said, our, our property managers, they've been great. Yeah. So keep feeding them. All right. Once you find, once you find a team, feed them. Um, just so you know, if you're going to do this route, I would start shopping in Indianapolis first because the hardest thing about a 1031 okay. exchange is the timeframes, right? So you okay. really want to know, you don't want to sell clothes and then be in a rush to find something. It's not, you're not okay. going to write offers until you're closed on the sale, but you want to get your feet wet, start looking at the inventory, start seeing what's going on. Not, you may be doing that already. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, a 1031 does have time frames, So look those up, be ready for it. But yeah, dude, I, I, get rid of 70% of your headaches and double your cash flow. I mean, really? Is this really a conversation we're having right now? No. It, it, when we talk about it out loud, it just sounds crazy that... <laughs> Sometimes. I've been doing this a while, though, so I hear, I hear it all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> 
So this is great. I'm actually glad that we're having this conversation, someone with a lot of real estate experience and, you know, sharing your, your recommendation. It's, this is actually, it actually helps a lot more because there's a lot of times where, where you have these thoughts, you know, and me and my wife were with the experience that we have, it's just us. Yeah. Um, we still have our doubts, you know, and to have this conversation with someone like you with a lot of experience, it, it actually, it helps a lot. So um, I think it's just going to be a matter of time of just putting it back on the market. Yeah, dude, stop that time excuse. It doesn't take a lot to docu-sign a freaking listing agreement. It's like two minutes. Right. I do it all the time. Yeah, I know. I need to go do my research and, and find an agent in Memphis. There you, there you go. Go do we that. Get off the phone. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you giving me some time. I know it's your lunch break. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate this. This has been a, a great experience. It, it's been awesome. Amazing to sit down and have this conversation with you. So thank you for, very much for this opportunity. You got it, John. Have a wonderful, uh, wonderful day. Take care. Good luck. Thank you. Right. Bye.